Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. As I mentioned, I want to talk some this morning about this question of, is God good? And uh, again, don't want to try to pretend there's any suspense here. We are a church. We will likely fall uh, to the answer, yes, God is good. Um, And if the scriptures we just read and the songs we just sang didn't give that away, I don't know what will. Uh, We will probably land there. So why would we bother asking this as a question? I think there's two reasons that are significant. One, depending on what study you look at, 80% of Americans believe in some sort of higher power or God. 80%. So four out of every five people. So in, in any given room you're in, in the general populace, let's say there's 15 people in the room, 12 of them believe there's some sort of God, some sort of higher power. Well, the natural question that flows from that recognition is, okay, but is that higher power good? Because if God is good, that's going to lead to one set of reactions and behaviors and thoughts and motivations. And if God is not, that's going to lead to an entirely different place. And I want to kind of dive into what those two reactions may look like a little bit. The other reason is because even though Many of us, as happened this morning, if we toss out this question, is God good, would be very quick to say, yes, yes, he is. I don't know that our lives always look like we believe God is good. So what does a life reacting to a good God look like as opposed to a God who is not? And how do our lives uh, line up in any given moment? Uh, For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the basics of church, of being a people who belong to Jesus, uh, being Jesus-following people. We talked about the importance of knowing God and not just knowing about God, but knowing God's heart, knowing his motivations and thoughts and feelings and, and engaging with that in some way. That's what we're called to do. And we are called to, through that engagement, grow Our character specifically should grow. And we look to Jesus as our example of how to grow in Christ-like character. And then we also are called to go and be a blessing. Go out from here and be a blessing to our community, but also be a blessing to one another and to other believers who gather under a a different roof or banner. We are are called to be a, a, a blessing to one another and the community around us. Those, those are just sort of the basic quote. If you strip away everything else about what it means to be a church, to know God, to grow in Christ-like character, and to go be a blessing to the people around us. These are the things we are called to as, as Jesus people, people who belong to the household of Jesus. And for the next few weeks, as we kind of finish up fall and head into Thanksgiving, because tomorrow is November. I don't know how that happened. Uh, and uh, and, and head into the Christmas season, believe it or not, uh, we want to spend a little time talking about the heart of God that we are trying to get to know and ask questions like, is God good? And are we good? And do we want to have a heart like God's? What would it look like if we did? 
And we'll talk about uh, some people in the Bible who uh, lived that out uh, well and uh, maybe not so well. So is God good? Uh, First, as we were talking about this, uh, Sky very rightfully pointed out to me that we need to define what we mean by good. Excellent point. So uh, before we say, is God good or not, what do we mean by good? How how do we define good? And I think we could kind of go around the room and we could all kind of work our way around a definition of good if we had some time to kind of think about it and what what it means to be good. Um, But I also think we might run into some problems fairly quickly because our tendency is to define good based on what is good for me, based on what works out well for me, what benefits me, what helps solve the problem in front of me, or what benefits and is good for the people I love, the people around me. If it's good for me, but not good for somebody else, is it still good? This is sort of the, uh, the Robin Hood principle, right? Is Robin Hood good? And are the things Robin Hood does good? He steals from the rich to give to the poor. We would all generally agree stealing is bad. We would all generally agree that being generous is good. So do the ends justify the means? Can we define good that way? Well, if it results in something good, then everything else is good enough? Is it just? Like, does something have to be, is something good because it's just? And is it just for everybody? Or is it justice for most people? Like, if, if you wanted to ask some people in the fictional world of Robin Hood whether he is good or not, it would depend greatly on who you ask, right? If you ask one of the poor people that he is benefiting, good. If you ask one of the rich people he's stealing from, not so good. Ask somebody who has uh, compassion for the, the poor and the oppressed, and, and they say, yes, good. Ask the family members of the people he is killing to steal their stuff and give to the poor. Not so good. How are we going to define good if we have to go well beyond, well, is it good for me? Does it benefit me? And uh, the Bible is uh, full of uh, verses about goodness and and God's goodness that we we love. uh, One one of my favorites, and I think many people's favorites, is Romans 8.28. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This sounds so great. And it is such a good promise. I don't want to mock this or undermine it at all. This is a great promise. God is going to work things out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And as my dad likes to say, we don't get to pick what good is. Good is not just, well, it feels really good to me. God's going to work everything out for good, this says. But what does it mean that it's good? Because it's not just going to be whatever works out for me. If God does something that doesn't feel good for me or doesn't do something that I just know he needs to do, does that mean God is not good? does if I define good based on what's good for me. So uh, let's try this definition of good for our time together this morning. Um, And and 
I do not promise that I have this right and figured out, but I've played with this from a bunch of different angles, and I think this gets us pretty close. So we'll define good this way. Good is seeking to meet the deepest, most vital needs for all. Good is seeking to meet the deepest, most vital needs for all. So I want to talk for just a second about this word deepest. Uh, There is a a pastor and speaker and writer named John Mark Comer, who's out of the Portland area. Uh, And I heard him recently in an interview talking about the difference between our uh, strongest desires and our deepest desires. And, and he would suggest there is a difference between our strongest desires and our deepest desires. And the example he gave was my strongest desire at any given moment. He said, maybe I uh, see a beautiful woman walk by, or there is a, a female friend of mine um, that, that I'm getting closer and closer to. And, and uh, so maybe my strongest desire at that point is to lust after her. My strongest desire in that moment might be an affair to cheat on my wife with her. And in that moment, I may not be able to imagine any other want. That may be my strongest desire. He said, but if I stop for a moment and think about what I really want out of life, like the kind of, what do I want to say about my life on my deathbed kind of want? Well, I what I want is to be known as a man of integrity. I, I, I want to, um, uh, to set up my children in a strong family. I want to honor and love my wife and be known as a good husband and a good father. He said, I may have a really strong desire in the moment, but I have a much deeper desire for my life. And we have to take the time, he said, to pay attention to our deepest desires because our deepest desires should be determining our actions, not our strongest desires. And, and we are... Uh, entrenched, uh, soaked in a culture that says, whatever your strongest desire is, go with that. You'll find happiness at the other end of that strongest desire. And he said, no, no, you'll find happiness at the other end of fulfilling those deepest desires. And I think he's totally right. And I want to change the word from desires to needs for just a second, because wants and needs are different things. There's lots of things my kids want, and then there are things that they need, and they are often a different list. Um, And I guess I'm picking on my kids, but the same is true for me, right? Like want and need are different and good. Something that is truly good is seeking to meet the deepest, most vital needs for all. I think even when we are doing something good, when we're trying to do good for another person, we are seeking to meet the deepest, most vital need we can for that person. The deepest, most vital need that we can identify and are capable of meeting. So maybe we look at a friend and go, man, what my friend really needs is to know that they're seen, that I see them working hard and I see what they're doing as a parent. And I just want to do something to make sure they know I've seen them. And for that person, that may just absolutely make their year, right? Like, okay, somebody sees what I'm, that may be their deepest, most vital need, or at least the one we can identify. Uh, Maybe for somebody else, it is food or shelter or uh, maybe it's a, a couple that needs a date night. I mean, whatever the deepest, most vital need is that we can identify, that's what we're trying to meet when we say we want to do something good for somebody. Now, this runs into a problem fairly quickly. And maybe it's not a problem for you. Maybe it's just a problem for me, but I'm guessing it's also a problem for you. I am not capable of accurately identifying people's deepest, most vital needs. Like to a point right? Like I said, the kinds of things we try to do when we're trying to do good, 
But I can't identify what's going to be really good for somebody's needs and what isn't. Uh, For example, uh, for some person who's down on their luck and uh, financially it's just really hard and, and they're really depressed and their life is kind of falling apart, they may really need a handout. Because some handout to give them shelter or food for a day or a week, something long enough to help them get that part settled so they can start making the good choices they need to make to get their life back on track. That may be exactly what they need. For another person, that same handout may just cause them to stay stuck in a dependency on handouts and never make the good choices that they need to make to get their life back on track. And I don't know And we spend lots of time trying to create huge government policies like one of those things is true. And the truth is, they're both true. For some people, they need the handout and some people really don't. We don't actually have the knowledge and the power to know and meet people's deepest, most vital needs, which means if we're going to do that, we need some help. Okay, let's pause that line of thinking right there and come back to this higher power that 80% of us believe in. Let's assume, because I think the vast majority of those 80% of people assume this, let's assume that that higher power not only has more power than we do, but also has more knowledge than we do. In fact, let's assume that that higher power, whoever that is, has enough knowledge and power to be able to know what our deepest, most vital needs are and be able to meet those needs has the power to do real good. Then the question becomes, will that higher power, will that God do something good? Is God good? And what if he isn't? What if this higher power is going to use their knowledge and power against me? Uh, after I talked about this some last night, somebody pointed out to me that there's, there's not just a for and against, there's also a huge chunk of people who just believe God is apathetic and ambivalent and just doesn't care. I would argue that is the same as God being against us. Okay, so we'll just go, God is for us, God is good, doing good, trying to meet our, our deepest, most vital needs, or God is, is not, either out of apathy or evil. Well, those are gonna lead to very different things. What am I gonna do? How should I, how will I react if God is against me or if God just doesn't care enough to do anything good for me? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is distrust, right? I will not trust this God, nor should I. Any any power, any being, any organization that has the kind of power to do good or has at least any power over me, has greater power than I do, but won't do it for good, I am not going to trust that higher power. And maybe uh, the most carnal example of that, the most obvious example right now, is how the majority of Americans feel about our government. We don't trust that they are going to do something good for us. We don't believe they will use their power and knowledge to do that, so we don't trust them. Now, I'm not saying whether we should or should not, and I'm not saying anything about any branch of government. I'm just saying you spend three seconds on the internet and you find out very quickly, people do not trust the government. 
because we don't believe they're going to do good for us. The same would apply to God who we cannot trust. God's not going to do good for us. We're not going to trust this God. And if I don't have trust in a higher power, I will find something else to put my trust in. Maybe it is a certain political point of view. Maybe it is a sports team. Maybe it's an accomplishment. Maybe it's myself. Whatever it is that I decide to turn to, because that thing is going to accomplish good. It's going to accomplish good for me, for the people I care about, maybe for the world. But I'm going to say this thing is, is the good. And another way to say that is that we will worship something else. We, we may not worship God. We will worship something else then. We will give our devotion to something else. We will devote ourselves to this cause above all others. We will decide that this thing or this person is going to accomplish the good that I want to see. And I can't trust God to do it, so I'm going to put my trust in something else. And we will uh, evangelize for this thing. Uh, we will emotionally support something or someone in the belief that they are truly good or that the thing they stand for is truly good. And so we will worship. We will trust beyond reason something. We're gonna trust beyond reason something. And if it's not God, then we'll look to something else. We will look for good somewhere else. And when we find it, when we find that thing that we go, oh, this is the answer. We will tell everybody about it. Oh, you should vote for this person because they have this stance and it is this particular issue that if we get this right, this is gonna create all the good. Oh, you should really buy all of these things, these oils, this product, this stuff. This will create all the good that you need it to create We will devote ourselves to it. We will evangelize for it. We will determine and define for ourselves what is good. Because we can't trust God to define it. We'll figure out how to define it. We'll say, okay, this thing is good. It's solving this issue in the world. It's uh, giving money to the poor. Don't worry about whether we have to steal it from the rich. We will give money to the poor. The, The ends will justify the means because this thing is good. You buy this product, you vote this way. This is the good. We will define for ourselves what is good, and then we will uh, surround ourselves with people who agree with us. We will search out others who agree with us, and we will bring them around us, and we will say, yes, we have defined what is good, and it is this thing, and so all of us who agree are going to trumpet for this thing, and we're going to shove these people out of the way because they don't understand how good this thing really is is. And if I surround myself with people who agree with me about what the good is, we can go after that good together, power in numbers, and I can just listen to them and don't have to listen to all the other people who are going, are you sure that's the only way to get good? Because because it does seem to be working out pretty good for you, but maybe not so much for other people over here. We'll define it. We'll find it somewhere. We'll surround ourselves with people who agree. And there are lots of things, lots of things that are good for us to devote ourselves to. Some examples, freedom feels good. So freedom for everybody, justice seems good. So let's make justice happen. Victory, 
well, victory is really good for me. So conquer more mountains. Let's do it. And safety, safety is good for everyone. Safety for everybody. And we just decide that this is how we're going to define what good is. It is this one and only issue. Now, do I think all of those things sound good? Yes. Are they worth pursuing? Yes. And I want to be a little bit careful here because just last week, I was talking about how we need to be partnering with God to do good in the world, to bring life and beauty and push back against the darkness. And that is absolutely all true. But if we don't trust God, we're not going to partner with God. You should not enter a partnership with someone you don't trust. That's just logical. And so we will have to figure out what the good is. And we will have to uh, gather people who agree with us, even if we can't prove that those things meet our deepest needs. I mean, freedom and justice and victory and safety, these things sound great, but do they really meet our deepest, most vital needs? If I can define them as good, I do so believing that they at least meet my needs. It's how we end up defining what's good. And I'll rally people who agree with me to say, this is good. This deserves my devotion. This deserves your devotion. This deserves to be proclaimed as a good solution for the world. If God is not good, we will have to determine for ourselves what is good. And we'll devote ourselves to that good. We'll rally the people. We'll rally people who agree with us. We'll distrust anyone who doesn't. And if God is not good, it is up to us to do it. If God is not good, we will make good happen. And again, just talked last week about the beauty of making good happen in our world. But this is the kind of good that we are striving and struggling to do on our own with no definition for what is good other than it feels good to us or solves the problem that is right in front of us. We will do something good for the world. We will, I mean, <laughs> human beings, for however messed up we can be, also have an amazing capacity and desire to do good for the people around them in many, many cases. So we'll try to do good for the world because we can't trust God to do it. We will definitely try to do what's good for me because I can't trust God to give it. So if I, if I want good to happen, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> I will look to anybody who can help me accomplish that good. Now, if 80% of us believe in a higher power, some being that is more powerful and more knowledgeable than we are, we'll go, you know what would be really handy to accomplishing this good if that higher power would help me do it. Now, I can't trust that higher power, so I'm not gonna just walk up and ask. I now need to manipulate that higher power. I need to appease that higher power. I need to, in some way, make that higher power, this God, happy with me so that they will do the things I want them to do to accomplish the good that I just know needs to happen in this world. So I will do the song and dance. I will follow the rules. I will do whatever it takes to get that God to be happy with me, or if I can't do that, to at least get God to ignore me. How do I fly under the radar and make God be apathetic toward me so that I can continue to do the good I want to do without having to worry about whether this higher power is going to stop me. Because remember, I don't trust that this God is good. This God is against me in some way. At least maybe I can make the God apathetic and, and it will leave me alone and, and let me do whatever it is 
that, that I want to do to accomplish good in my life or the lives of the people around me. Okay, fine. So I have to show up to church every Sunday to make God happy and get him off my case. And, and, and maybe then he'll just let me live my life uh, the rest of the week. And that, that'll be fine. Then I can do the good that I want to do, whether it's good for me or good for others, whatever the case may be. We hope that this higher power will help, that this higher power will use this power and knowledge to help us accomplish our good. But because I don't trust this God, I have to know that whatever favor of God I get is just that. It's a favor. And now I'm gonna be in God's debt. And this gets really complicated because I definitely don't wanna be in the debt of somebody I don't trust. So somehow, again, earn and appease and make God happy. So maybe they won't call in the debt. Maybe they won't hold it against me. Maybe somehow this God will just let me be and will use its cosmic powers and knowledge to help me accomplish good. And, and, and then we'll just be square and I don't have to report or pay off the debt in, in any way. Because I don't, I don't trust God I certainly don't trust a God to just give me something. (laughs) So somehow I'm gonna have to earn this. I'll be scrappy. I will make sure my goodness is earned and the goodness in my life is earned. I worked for it. I manipulated God to get it. And my reward will be my own value and my own reputation and my ability to accomplish good. This is the path we go down if God is not good, if God is apathetic or against us. We distrust, and then these things flow from it. We will worship something else. We will gather other people to worship that thing or with us, and uh, we will work to make the good happen. And here's the thing. If God is not good, that's entirely logical. That actually makes a lot of sense. To worship a God that we don't trust or who is against us doesn't really make any sense. So if you believe that God is apathetic or against you, well, that, that makes sense, that, that we, will, we will distrust and, um, and, and we will push against and we will find good elsewhere. Is it any wonder that the world around us, 80% of whom apparently believe in God, hear Christians talk about all the things and all the people and all the choices that they're against right? We're against that. We're against you. You need to change your life. Hey, by the way, do you want to trust in Jesus? No, no, because what you've just told me is that this God is against me. Now, we may have not intended to say that, but that's what they heard. So of course, they're not going to trust Jesus. Why would you trust someone who is against you? Okay, so let's flip the script. What if God is good? What if the psalmists are right? There's an entire psalm that every other line just talks about how good God is. Uh, we read earlier in Psalm 145, the Lord is good to everyone and showers compassion on all his creation. How would our lives, our striving, our motivations be different if God is good? Well, the first thing, if distrust is the result of God not being good, then trust, <laughs> trust, we would be able to trust this God. 
If someone has proven their character, we can trust them with actions that aren't proven yet. And this isn't just true for a God. This is true for any human relationship. If somebody's proven their character, proven that you can trust them, then when with something in the past, then when the next thing comes along, it may be entirely different than what they did before. Like maybe somebody said, I can build you a beautiful table. And you're like, I don't know, but they did it. And you're like, okay, awesome. You can build tables. And they came to you the next time and said, hey, I can paint you a beautiful picture. And you're like, well, that feels a lot different than making a table. But when you told me last time you could do it, you could. So I will trust you that you can do it this time. This is how we, we build off a person's character. Same is true with God. If God has proven his character, proven to be good, if God is actually good, then we can trust without specifics. We can trust without knowing what all the steps are going to be. If God is truly good and seeking the deepest and most vital good for all people, then I don't have to understand what the next steps and the whole plan look like. Uh, Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. And I want to be clear, I really, really like understanding. (laughs) I really like to know what all the steps are so that we can make contingency plans if anything goes wrong and so we can know how we're going to celebrate if things go right. I really like to know the steps of how we're getting from here to there. But if God is good, if I believe that God is seeking the deepest good for all people, including me, then I don't have to uh, understand what he's doing. Even if it doesn't feel good, I can trust what God is doing or not doing. Even though I'm just sure this thing needs to happen to make me feel better, I can trust without knowing the specifics of how God is going to accomplish this good. Isaiah 55 says this, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Uh, Many of us know this verse. It's uh, this awesome promise that God has things figured out that we don't. I would just like to point out that if God is not good, um, this verse is terrible. This is uh, manipulation and a power play. Like if God is not good to say, hey, I know more than you do and I have more power than you do. So sit down and shut up and I'll take care of it and don't ask me any questions, right? Like I got this figured out, you don't, off you go. If God is good, this is a promise of God's care for us to say, hey, I know things that you don't wanna know. I know things that if you knew them, it would scare you so badly you wouldn't take the next step. I know things that you couldn't contain in your brain. So trust me, I got this. I've got knowledge and I've got power that you don't have and that's okay because I'm good and I've got you. This ends up being a remarkable promise. And because God has a knowledge and a power that we don't, If we believe that God is good, then we can trust without specifics and we can have faith without understanding. I can believe that it will work out beyond what I'm able to understand. Again, I may not get to pick the good, but I can trust and have faith 
The good is being worked out. Bible tells us to live by faith and not by sight. I may not see it, I may not get it, but I can take the next uncertain step forward because I trust that God is good. And if God is good, I can have a peace about that next step. I can have peace without assurance. I can have trust uh, without understanding, peace with, or sorry, trust without specifics, faith without understanding, and peace without assurance. I may have no assurance that I will be safe, that my loved ones will get what they want or what I believe they should have. And I can take that next step forward in peace. Not because my circumstances are all figured out, not because it all looks right or I understand the plan, but because God is good. And this is a peace that you do not have to earn. You don't have to make this happen by getting all of your circumstances lined up and all your ducks in a row. You don't have to make this peace happen by making God happy so that he'll leave you alone and leave you in peace. This is a peace that God gives us. This is a a free gift. You don't have to earn God's love and affection. You don't have to earn his delight or his provision. God takes joy in you because he made you and he made you lovable. And he loves you because he's good and he can, and that's enough. And he gives you peace because he knows, he knows that our deepest, most vital needs are love and peace. That at the core of our souls, our deepest, most vital needs are to be loved and have peace. And I know that sounds soft and squishy, but it's not because it is a daily fight against everything the world throws at us and everything our past lies to us and tells us is true about us. That because we failed that one time, we are a failure. Because we didn't accomplish this thing that we were told we had to accomplish, then we must not have value. Because we didn't buy this product or buy into this ideology, we apparently are wrong and we can't be loved or accepted or have any sort of peace because we're messing everything up. This is the daily fight that God is whispering against. God is saying, actually, in truth, you are loved, and I have peace that I can give you. And God chooses to show us, give us this love and peace through his grace and mercy and forgiveness. If God is good, we can receive grace without earning it. We can receive grace without earning it. We can receive forgiveness without having to make it happen. Grace is freely handed out. And I would uh, lay before us, submit to you that a good God, God is truly good, a good God would make sure that our deepest, most vital needs are met, whether we deserved it or not, no matter what it cost him. If God is truly good, if he is truly seeking the deepest, most, to meet the deepest, most vital needs for all people, if his nature was to be good, then a good God 
would seek to meet these needs in our life, whether we deserved it or not, and no matter what it cost him. And the way that God chose to meet these needs in our life is through Jesus Christ, is through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus that we receive grace and mercy and forgiveness, that we are shown God's love for us, and that we are offered a sense of peace in the middle of whatever storm we may find ourselves in. When Jesus said, I am the truth and the way and the life, he's saying, I am the way that God has chosen to give you a life of true love and true peace. Through Jesus, God made possible our deepest, most vital needs being met. And it cost him everything. And the Bible says that everyone who believes that Jesus is Lord, which means believing that he is that higher power and believes that God raised him from the dead, everyone who is willing to say, Jesus, I, I trust that you have more power and knowledge than I do and I will follow your lead and believes that God raised him from the dead to give us love and peace, to meet the most vital, deepest needs of our heart and soul, that that person gets to experience that love and peace. That anyone who's willing to say Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead is welcomed into receiving this gift of love and peace. And, it, and it's fairly simple to simply say, Jesus, I trust that this is who you are. So if you've never said that before, it really is that simple. Jesus, I trust that this is who you are and I receive your forgiveness that I didn't have to earn, that cost you everything. Now saying it is not actually that complicated. The complicated part is what comes next. The complicated part is in actually living like we trust that God is good. Uh, we are gonna sing a song in just a second where we proclaim that God is good. I hope you can sing that like it's true. And if you're not sure that it's true, I hope you can sing it in hopes that it's true. Do you can sing it out of a desire for it to be true? And as we go out this week, let's pay attention to whether our lives reflect that we believe God is for us and good or against us and apathetic. Like, are, are we living in a way that we don't really trust God to take care of it so we have to make sure it happens? Are we living in a way that we're elevating some other thing to do good above God? That we don't, we're not really interested in partnering with God because we don't really trust him, so we're gonna make it happen on our own. Are we living in a way that we have to appease God or make him happy in some way to do the things we want him to do? Or are we living in a way that I trust God and I have some peace as I take a faith-filled next step. As I look at the week I just had, there are some moments of trust and faith and taking steps. And there are certainly many moments 
where no matter what I say about God being good, no matter what I really, really think I believe about God being good, my actions or my motivations, my thoughts, my feelings would say otherwise. So as we go this week, proclaiming that God is good, do our lives reflect that God is good? We like to say that God is good. And we like to say that God is good all the time. But we typically like to say it when something we feel is good just happened. (laughs) Are we able to live like God is good all the time? As the worship team comes up, as we proclaim that God is good, let me pray for us. Father God, would you help us to identify the places in our hearts and minds and lives where we're living like you are not good. God, if, if that's what we believe, that you're actually against us, or maybe you just don't care, would you bring people into our lives? Would you bring your power and knowledge into our lives in some way that shows off, that reveals your goodness? God, would you empower us to live lives of trust and faith? Would you give us your peace? Or would you remind us that we are loved? Would you remind us that grace has been freely given to us and that we have the opportunity to give it to others? Father, would you help our hearts and minds come to the conclusion, the conviction, that not only are you there, not only do you have power and knowledge, but you are good. Thank you for making a way into relationship with your goodness, with your love and peace through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.